0: Guys, you're listening to Mustangology, your go-to source for all things Mustang. Be sure to follow along on your favorite podcast streaming network. What is going on, guys? Hello, everyone. Hello, hello. The infamous hello. <laughs> just just straight up, just simple. Just hello. Keep it casual. The funny part is you do that even walking into a <laughs> room. <laughs> Normally that comes off creepy. Like you if, walk in just Hello. <laughs> hello. Hello over you over there.
1: And if I really know you, I'm like Assad, dude. Assad, dude. <laughs> all right, so let's
0: first talk about <laughs> the biggest news in the Mustang world, and that was old Do Rain, Do Rain, Doran. Oh, Dorian. Dorian. Mustang Week Hurricane Dorian came through and w- wiped all festivities of Mustang Week, which was a super bummer. Yeah, um, I got except, evacuated Monday. Yeah, I yeah, and I have a place down there and. I was able to get in on Tuesday or Wednesday and hung out for the uh, the retro meet retro meet, which was which <laughs> was still a really cool turnout.
1: Shout out so, to Harris Lou,
0: yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that was still a heck of an event for what we uh, had to deal with there as far as uh, hurricane goes. But um, other than that, I think they made the best out of it and uh, people kind of went their ways and did their own things, huh? Yeah, made the best of the event, yeah, definitely. But uh, we're already looking forward to. Mustang Week 2020. They actually,
1: so, let me pull up the date. They actually just released it.
0: They already released it? Yeah. <clears throat> Another thing is um going from the beach to the mountains. Ponies uh ponies in the Smokies. They're doing also something. Okay, there is Mustang Week 2020.
1: Yeah, so it's September 7th through September 13th. So 7th through the 13th. And then uh We'll
0: get the dates later for the Ponies and Smokies, but they're doing, I think, a sp- maybe spring event and yeah. their, their regular Ponies and Smokies event. So yeah, no, no, sweet. they're
1: regulars in the spring and then they're doing a July one. That's right. You know, summer. Yeah. Okay, thanks, man. Hold, <laughs> hold me together over here. But
0: uh, today, pretty cool. Um, we are getting ready to give Jason from Gas Monkey Garage. If you guys are fans, fast and loud. Gas Monkey, he's a monkey. Uh, Jason Acres. he's over there. Give him a follow at GMG Jason. Uh, We're going to get him on the line here. Huge Mustang fan. And we're going to kind of just hear his Mustang story. So let's uh, give him a call here. Hey, Trevor, what's going on, bud? Jason, what's going on? How are you? Good, good. You are on the Mustangology podcast. We wanted to uh, give you a call. One, I think, uh, I've never been nervous on a podcast, but even though I've met you and everything, I'm just like, I'm so stoked to, uh, to finally actually be able to, I know we've, we've talked before and we've talked about your Mustang story, but I guess I'm really excited to get this out and, and about to, uh, our Mustang, the Mustang world. Yeah, definitely. So, and I, I guess I can virtually, uh, have you guys meet, uh,
1: Jaron is on one line, and uh,
0: hey, Jaron, how hey, are you, man?
1: How's it going? Nice to e meet you over yep. the podcast. E yes, meet
0: uh, you as well. Yeah, that's, that's that must be like a millennial term. Huh? <laughs> Jeez, e meet, but uh, no. So, Jason, you have been in the automotive world for a long time now. Um, yes, yeah. Like,
2: Unfortunately, I'm uh, <laughs> older than all you guys, but <laughs>
0: hey, but that's good. You have you have the experience, and you've seen things that we haven't seen. So. Yeah, and I've
2: done, I've made mistakes on cars that you, I might not ever tell you about, but you know, that's part of it. I think, uh, I've been building car. Well, no, excuse me. I got into the automotive industry back in 92, um, just working at a dealership in high school, uh, just, you know, just a job to make some money. And luckily for me, I had a great boss that was also the owner of all the dealerships there in the city. And he had a personal collection of classics that he introduced me to. And I wasn't a car guy. My dad, uh, didn't really fiddle with cars. He worked all the time. There was four of us. So, you know, he was just trying to, you know, keep groceries on the table. Uh, so I fell into it by a dumb accident. I was going to be an accountant. That was my, <laughs> that was what I, my ambition and what I thought I wanted to do. And just by being around these classics and didn't know anything about it. I worked, uh, walked up to my first 70s Chevelle and didn't even know what the car was. I just knew it was something different, something I hadn't seen, something unique. Yeah. Um, and after a few years of doing this and uh, as a part-time job, I started working at the dealership full-time and moved up in the management system. And, and you know, I liked it all right, but it wasn't what I really wanted to do. Uh, and then that same gentleman opened up Worldwide Muscle Cars, which I don't know if any of you have heard of it uh, back in 99, 2000. And what it was, was, uh, 80 acre private location collection slash started into a business. And when I walked in the building for the first time, there were over 35 Shelby's from 65 to 70 in this building Jeez. he had acquired. Wow. And you know, at that time he was buying them for thirty thirty five thousand $35,000 a piece. Um, and he was collecting and he was stockpiling and um that business was going really really well at the first of the millennium you know 2000 it started that's when it started happening uh and then he brought me a 67 shelby gt500 one day and he said i want you to take this car apart tell me what you find and that is where my restoration career started and it was a rocky when it started but uh you never know how the how your world is going to change and what's going to happen and I could never have foreseen that.
0: So okay, what was that first car that he had you restore?
2: Uh, a nineteen sixty seven GT five hundred Shelby.
0: wow! Welcome yeah. to the restore game. <laughs> Here you go. Got his hands yeah. dirty on that yeah. Too. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah. So what? what so, as far as his collection, what were I guess maybe the rarest vehicles of that collection? Do you think?
2: Uh, or let just me your think. favorites. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he had, uh, the first time I was ever introduced, he had a 19, uh, 1970 GT 500 grabber green convertible
1: four speed, oh, oh, wow. man. Um, wide interior? that
2: car. And it was absolutely, excuse me. Did it have
1: white interior,
2: but no, it had black. And, okay. and later on, uh, next couple of years, I was introduced to white interior grabber colors and man, it was phenomenal. But, uh that gentleman had a a great taste for cars and uh, he loved early Corvettes. So he had several of those, um, but just an array of Shelby's and uh, Mustangs and Chevelles, Camaro, you know, the whole gambit of muscle car uh, with the exception of Mopar. He had a few of those, but that wasn't his his real strong suit. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, like I said, I was introduced to it by accident and we, we just started restoring cars and I will tell you, the guys that are really good at that make it look really easy because I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> and um luckily for me, the guys in the network, the judges, they kind of took me under their wing and and kept my, my spirits up because the first car I took to actually be judged was a nineteen sixty seven GT three fifty Paxton four speed Shelby. Wow. And it dream. was candy apple red. No Stripe, Stripe Delete, Magstar Wheels, 4-speed, black interior. It just was a fabulous car, so I thought. yeah. And after the show, I had eight full pages of corrections, (laughs) won no award. It was the hardest I and, and the guys I worked with had ever built or had spent time and built a car, and it just felt like we got kicked in the stomach. But again, a very supportive group of people that helped us get better. And that could have gone either way. That could have ended my restoration career, to be honest. I, if if that had been handled improperly, I probably wouldn't have pursued it any further because I am a perfectionist now. Yeah. And you just want to be better and better and better. And luckily for me, I was very fortunate to be around the right people that kept me going down that road. And then in 2008, I acquired the company Worldwide Muscle Cars and became owner uh, with a partner of mine. And we continued on with the company until I was brought on to Gas Monkey. So it is crazy how things fall into line and things happen. Um, Now I've become a absolute, I mean, years ago I became, but mustangs are what I love. I get to build everything now, but that is my genuine love. It always has been. Uh, So, you know, like I said, you never know where you're going to end up.
0: Yeah, that's right. Okay, so I got a question. So being, yeah. being, um, how, how did it happen with Gas Monkey? I mean, did Richard just come up to you and be like, hey, you're great at what you, what you do. I want you to become a monkey. Or like, do you fill out an application? I mean, how does that happen?
2: Well, this was a very funny, strange story. Okay, <laughs> I have a very good friend named Mike McCullough, which had done these cars with me for many years. And he... Um, was good friends with Dennis Collins, which is Richard Rawlings' best friend. So when they acquired the very first two Firebirds, uh, serial number one and two, 1967 Firebirds, here six years ago, Dennis was looking for a guy to help Richard do these cars because Aaron Kaufman, this just wasn't what he wanted to do. It wasn't what he he did on the show. So I get a phone call from Richard Rawlings, and I'm, I'm like, I don't know who this person is. I've never seen Fast and Loud. I've never... Uh, who is this guy that yeah. every time I try to call him back, he won't answer the phone. And so I was getting a little bit frustrated. And I was like, okay, I've got a business to run. This guy's calling me about doing these cars. And then when Richard finally did get through on the line, I realized that he has a TV show. He films all day long. That's what he's been doing. Yeah. And when he told me what he wanted to do, I told him, okay, I will, I'll make the drive down to Dallas. I live three hours North of there in Oklahoma city. And I'll take a look at what you're talking about. Yeah and once i got to the location and saw how big a deal this really was um i sat down in his office and um he said i need these two cars totally restored to you know top notch level and i was like oh absolutely i can do that uh, what kind of time frame are you looking at 90 days oh total gosh. for two cars yeah so i sat there for a minute and i thought okay let me think in my brain can this happen He's got a crew of guys. I've never, and this is the other problem. I'm coming into a job cold. I don't know any of the crew. Mm-hmm. I am one of those people that I don't like to come in and impose in somebody else's place. So I started trying to weigh all these options um, in a very short period of time. And after about 30 minutes of discussion, I said, okay, here's what needs to happen, Richard. If you want this done, these cars have to be torn apart immediately, put on registries, blah, blah, blah. And I went down the gamut of what needs to be done. He goes, you're the guy for the job. I don't care what it costs. You're the guy. You already know a plan. I said, this is how I do every car. I said, but 90 days. And and granted, this was on November 11th, so we're getting ready to hit Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. We're going in the holiday season. Yeah. This isn't in the summer. So, all these factors, but long story short, I came into the crew. Everybody started to gel once they saw what I was about. I was about getting the job done, getting the work done right, and We finished the cars in 89 days, top flights, and heavy, heavy metal replacement cars. These cars were rusty. They were from the Ohio Valley. They had been sitting and had been soaked for a long time. They had work done prior to that was really poorly done. So it is a, uh, a testament to the crew that was there to get these cars done and to get them done at the level they were and to have them done in time. Um, and then shortly with two weeks left in that project, Richard offered me the full-time job as the foreman of the shop. And that was six years ago. So everything that's just, uh,
0: everything up from there, I, <laughs> Well, he I would have, have never imagined it, <laughs>
2: but, uh, you know, it, it, it has been an amazing opportunity. Uh, it, it has transformed my life completely. Uh, it's introduced me to a ton of people, including yourself, Trevor, that, uh, yeah. I probably would have never, uh, I was a, a small guy with a, a shop with one other guy before this, and I was kind of locked away, and I've been given an opportunity that uh, not many people get, so I'm very, very uh, thankful for that.
0: See, and I, I guess that's that's the biggest thing with me, is like, obviously meeting you and everything, I, I was thinking, man, these guys are just, they're going to be kind of more full of themselves, all gas monkey and this and that, which you tend to get when you, when you go to a higher level in the automotive industry. Everyone kind of has a chip on your shoulder, but I met you and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a real car guy, like doing real things. And then I got to see kind of behind the scenes and I'm like, time out. These guys really actually build these cars because I hate to say it, reality show or reality TV kind of gives a bad name in certain things, but you guys, A, are the real deal. And then meeting you and kind of hearing about your story and everything, I was going, I I need to, I need to know more about Jason. I needed to get more involved and obviously Um, we met on the, what we'll talk about here, here in a little bit, uh, we're not going to break the news quite yet, but, um, yeah, yeah. So we, we got a lot of great things going, um, as far as recent builds, um, with gas monkey, you guys did the bullet recreation, uh, for Chad McQueen, tell us a little bit about that, how that come about and, and what was it like, like, I guess, recreating that vehicle. And then you guys did some pretty cool shoots with it out in San Francisco.
2: Yes. Yeah. Uh, so what happened is, uh, Richard calls me in and says, Hey, guess what? We're going to build a bullet Mustang, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to be the first to admit, and this is an embarrassment of mine <laughs> as a Mustang huge fanatic. I had never seen the bullet movie. Yeah. I was born in 74. This movie came out in 69. Now I've heard of yeah. Mr. McQueen. Of course, everybody has. Oh yeah. So I did a little bit of research once I found out what was going on. And again, we've made Uh, copies of of vehicles for movies, things, you know, type like that. So it was exciting, but it wasn't until I found out that Chad McQueen, Steve McQueen's son, was actually behind the project. And that for the first time since 1969, the city streets of San Francisco were going to be shut down to reenact the chase scene, which is what we got to do. So it was a tremendous honor for us. Uh, The only issue was when Chad McQueen showed up to the shop. It was roughly six weeks before the first day of filming in San Francisco. So Jeez. at that point, he proposes the project. We do not have a car yet to use uh, or any of the parts that we're going to need to make the car. And But he made it very clear. There were certain stipulations. We're going to build this car exactly like it was in 1969 when my dad drove it through San Francisco. We're not going to add any safety features, any updated suspension. We are going to build it identical to what he did, and we're going to reenact it the exact same way. <laughs> well, knowing Mustangs like I do, I was thinking, okay, you're <laughs> going have leaf springs. <laughs> it's going to be like a wagon yeah. running out of control down a mountain. So all these things go through my head, but uh, we took on the challenge. And uh, Richard bought a car out of Arizona that was a drivetrain delete car. It was just a hollowed shell that was in really bad shape. Uh, but we didn't have any options. He gave $24,000 for a hollowed out 68 Fastback. Oh my which gosh. Which I made all kinds of fun. But in the timeframe, frame was the only car we could find. Yeah. That wasn't already complete and you know $100,000 car. So we purchased the car. We get it back to Gas Monkey. We tear the car down. Um, the guys are all extremely excited about what the opportunity is. We build the car start to finish in three and a half weeks.
0: Jeez, Paint, that, that has body, to make Restore people stainless. cringe. Three well, and a half weeks, because think about it, I, I mean, I'm on uh, maybe like 10 years now, still building mine. <laughs>
2: well, a lot of it has to do with budget. And one thing <laughs> oh, yeah. I can say about Gas Monkey is the resources are unlimited. So we and get talent. a lot of help from our vendors. And we talent. do tremendous. Well, we we have a very talented team. yes, And that is something that has, um, to touch on that, is something that, most of us have worked together roughly four or five years, and at first it wasn't that smooth. Uh, it's something that over time we have learned everyone's movements and where they are in a project and where we are comfortable working what sequence, and we've found what works for us. And that's why no one else on TV does what we do is because we've had to refine it. Every project we try to get better at what we do, not just the vehicle's appearance. Uh, because when I first started at Gas Monkey, I will tell you, the vehicles, people were condemning the vehicles as TV cars and they're props and they're not this and they're not that. And we take that person because oh. this bullet was a testament to what we do. We built the car, let's say four weeks, start to finish. Jeez. We test stunt drove the car for three hard days of stunt driving in San Francisco. <laughs> and the only problems we had were one flat tire, and a damaged quarter panel from where the leaf spring will hop on a landing of one of the jumps (laughs) beyond that and knocking (laughs) and knocking the alignment out of the car from landing so many times that's it but it took three days of hard stunt driving and it still runs drives like it did before so that's a testament to my guys because they are very dedicated and they are very proud and uh if you we followed it up with I don't know if you've seen the scout that we built, the international yep. scout that is now a unibody with a Hellcat motor. Yep. That is one of the top vehicles we've ever built in this building, if not the top, and we just try to set the bar at a new level every time.
0: Oh no, definitely and and that scout, I was able to actually see it when I was out there. And and you you said it perfect is a lot of people, oh this is like a TV prop. They someone else builds it and sends it in. No, like the, the craftsmanship that goes behind these cars, especially with that scout, I was blown away. And and actually the the bullet was sitting sitting right next to it, and it's crazy the small details that you guys took from the actual bullet. Like you made sure that that vehicle was exact exactly the same. Um,
2: well, we we owed that to the McQueen family because they honored us with giving us the opportunity to recreate their father's famous. <laughs> movie, let alone scene. The chase scene is everyone knows the chase scene. And oh, yeah. to get to to get to be the first to get to reenact that in fifty years, that is an amazing uh, honor for us. Did okay. Chad drive it? Uh Chad no Chad didn't because Chad uh had a, a serious racing injury a few years oh, okay. back and his uh he's had a few spines since then. So no um, in Darg- I'm trying to think, uh, name escapes me. The gentleman is a great uh, professional uh, drifter, driver. Um, and I apologize if I can't think of his name right off, but he was Sweet. phenomenal. Yeah. He did a great job with the car. I mean, this guy took polyglass tires on the San Francisco streets with a 600 horsepower motor, which I cheated on. I was yeah. supposed to have the Heck. 330. But yeah, I made it very difficult on him without <laughs> trying, and he handled that car phenomenally for three days to do what he did um, it, it just it, it's a testament to how good a driver he is and how and how happy he was to be part of the
0: project what was the sketchiest part about the the uh, like jumping was it jumping was it because I, I've, I grew up in Northern California, I know what those hills are like. I actually told my first story in the podcast about my '66 Mustang. The first thing I did, for whatever reason, with drum brakes, went to San Francisco, which was oh, absolutely gosh. terrifying. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't well, even I don't imagine know, anybody launching them.
2: with with a manual transmission <laughs> drives in San Francisco because it takes standing on one of those hills outside of a vehicle to realize how steep they oh, really yeah. are. Um, but the, and I don't know the historic streets very well. I apologize. But the, the last jump of the day of the last day was at the top of the peak. And Chris Forsberg is the gentleman's name. Oh yeah. So I apologize. Okay. So Mr. Forsberg drove the car. Well, there, if you can, uh, picture in your mind, uh, a hill picture of a hill where you've got one slope coming up and you've got a 50 yard stretch that's flat. And then you're right off the other side. And we're talking, a six degree grade, something extremely sharp.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, Chris hit the jump so well that he bounced at the middle of the 50 and was in the air again over the other <laughs> side. He didn't take the flat. He jumped the flat Yeah. and how he stopped and did not roll the car down the hill with what the suspension he was dealing with polyglass tires, oh my nothing but a lap belt. There was no roll cage in this car.
0: Yeah.
2: He had no helmet. You talk about guts. This gentleman, for what he did and how good he made our car look, he pushed it to its limits, and how he did it still blows my mind. But uh,
0: You know what blows my mind is now thinking about this, because when I bought my 66 Mustang, I call it the grandma wheel. I ended up uh, swapping it out real quick with a Grant wheel, but the the stock steering wheels on those things, yeah. I can imagine wheeling that thing around San Francisco. No. Like you have no. Well, in ad-
2: a stock steering box with the oh, floating geez. ability oh, that they goodness. have. I, yeah, it's just anybody that's driven old Mustangs knows they're like wagons. And, and as much as we love looking at them, they weren't the best at, at road uh, driving, at least until they got nine seventy got better, but the early technology was pretty rough. I mean, um, yeah, to do what he did in that condition and never test driving the car before the day we delivered it, uh, the first day of filming. He had no seat time in that car. And to do what he did, it was just, it was a true testament of how good a driver he really is.
0: That's awesome. No, I would love to be um, involved with something like that. Well, hopefully here in the near future. (laughs) Maybe we can get you to do that, huh?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Jason, we were reading up on you a little bit and we saw that your favorite gas monkey build as far as a Mustang goes is a 2005 Ford GT. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, okay. So Richard uh, this was back when Aaron was there and I was kind of his lieutenant. Um, we had a 2005 GT that had been in an accident and, uh, per insurance, it was a total job. But what it was is the front frame horns on those cars are aluminum and it had cracked both of them when it had a front impact. So we decided to take a car that most people would never, you know, convert into a resto mod. Uh, and we decided to put a plan around it. So we disassembled that car, every nut and bolt. So we had nothing but the aluminum chassis sitting in place. Uh, at that point we made our repairs. We set up our game plan of what we wanted to do. We set a design and, uh, when it was all said and done, we had a AccuAir bag, Ford GT in solid black Raven black with, uh, blacked out, headlights i mean the car it was stunning it's still stunning to look at and the fact that it was on bags and that it could roll at the speed it did um just the look and the dynamic of what it was is why i i liked it so much um we haven't really got to build um with the exception of any mustangs per se on the show other than richard's car that i hate to say richard your (laughs) your thomas crown affair mustang with truck tires does nothing for me but everybody else seems to like it so um it wasn't the fact that it was a ford you know we've built some uh 49 chevy truck that we did for haviland a black truck that was phenomenal as well uh the scout like i said i am pretty diverse on what we do because we build cars from the 30s all the way into the 2000s we that's one thing about this crew as well is the ability to change and shift from what we do one to the other I mean, we built a 1937 Buick Schaefer 8 race car uh, here a year ago. Um, we've, we've been all over the place, and that's what makes this job so exciting is that you never know what we're going to build. You yeah. know, you
1: never Maybe, know what's going to well, come we, through the we, door.
2: We build motorcycles, but, uh, again, my true passion in, on the private side are the Mustangs. Um, the The real funny story of the deal is I've been building Mustangs for now, almost 20 years now, and I did not own a Mustang until two months ago, my very first one. And as very as embarrassing as that is to say, <laughs> that is the truth. Um, you
1: you have to work always, on everyone else, yeah. You're that's always the
0: to... case. That what do they call it? The uh, the mechanic, whatever mechanic yeah. case, oh. yeah. where they always have yeah. the crappy car or it yeah, barely runs right. because they don't have time to work yeah. on their own cars, they're working on other people's. So,
2: that's, yeah, like, or the painters drive the cars with the worst. <laughs> you, know, because they just, you don't make any money working on your own. Exactly. Uh, but the the truth of the matter is, when I graduated high school in 92, I wanted to buy a 92 GT. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just It was the iconic car. It's what I wanted. And I told my dad, I thought I was real smart. I walked in there, 18 years old. Dad's telling him what I'm thinking. He goes, oh, really? He goes, well, I'll make you a deal. If you can pay an insurance on that car, I will buy you the car. <laughs> well, I thought, what the heck? I got this thing whooped. Yeah, I called my insurance agent the next day. My insurance at 18 years old on the Ford GT was $425 a Good month. Good lord. And,
0: and I that's only 92? made about
2: two Yeah, and I only made like $250 a month working part-time. So wow. that ended my dream of a Mustang real early on. I drove a Ford Ranger for uh four-barrel, four-speed with no Ranger. power brake.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Danger but, Ranger. Hey, I love them.
2: <laughs> so, with all that, like I said, it took me 20 years or almost 25 after that, to own uh, a Mustang, and I purchased a 69 Mach 1 351 Windsor car. So that's the car I've always wanted. The four-headlight car is the look I, lo- I love. I love the Boss 9s. I love the intimidation they have, especially the 69 with the 4 headlights. Oh,
1: yeah. so and the side scoop. Yep, yeah. Can't forget yeah,
2: that. And, it, and the hood scoop is painted the color of the car in 69, unlike 70 where they're black. So there were certain things... Nuances about that car that I really, really liked. I've restored five or six Boss Nines. Um, so I, I know that look at what the car is. And, uh, yeah, that's what made my decision. And I found a great car that was a friend of a friend. It was not advertised for sale and it is all original sheet metal. The frame rails are perfect on the car. It is a car you just don't find and it runs and drives, which that doesn't really matter because the project we're going to tell you about the motor will become null and void, but, That's right. um, I've got a great base to start this project. I'm really excited. Now I just have to talk Richard and give me enough time to do it.
0: That's right. Well, yeah, we can actually, let's jump into that. So, um, okay. I guess, so everyone knows, obviously I'm with Roush performance and, uh, I actually had a regional manager come up to me and be like, hey, look, this would be a really cool opportunity. There's this guy, Jason, and so on so on. So obviously now you guys know his story. So huge enthusiast in the Mustang world. Then Roush Performance comes along, and he's, Jason, you came to me, and you're like, hey, I got this 1969 Mach 1. Let's let's do something. And, of course, A, from hearing your story, I'm going, this is, A, the – First thing is, I already said A, right? So are we on B. <laughs> <laughs> first thing first is, I got so excited about this build because typically the people that we get, they're they are car enthusiasts, but they don't they don't build the cars. They're they're the ones that are like, hey, I want the car like this, this, and this. So when I heard your story and I knew that you are the one that's going to actually be doing it, I was crazy excited to to support this. Uh, well, not me personally, but the company of Roush Performance. So. Big news is is um, Roush Performance will be partnering with Jason from Gas Monkey, and uh, we're really actually like the cool part is you guys are hearing this live, um, not live, but you're, you'll you'll hear it when you hear it. Um, but the cool part is is the design aspect is is still really in the early stages. I mean, Jason and I have yeah. discussed yeah. ideas of like, hey, are we gonna do like a um, retro build basically taking the, the Mach one and making it look like a modern day stage three as you're driving, you're driving the 2019 Roush stage three, 710 horsepower. How are you using every pony? That's all I want to know.
2: Well, yeah. Okay. So (laughs) here's the truth of the matter. I had my crew today. We were kind of slow, which is very rare for us to gas monkey. And, uh, we have one of the guys on my crew, that's extremely skilled rendering, uh, creating rendering. So, I told him what I wanted to do. Art is one of those things that has eluded me my entire life. But here is my vision. The 69 Mach 1 body, I love the wider body stance that it has. But looking at the, the 19 Roush I'm driving, mm-hmm. I want to take the body stylings of the new Roush and put them on the body of the 69. Uh, opposite, where most people take an older car, I mean, I'm sorry, a newer car, and want to go back with the classic uh-huh. look. I want to give the 69 Mach 1 body the nuances of a Roush Stage 3 like what I have now. And in essence, it will be the first ever. I want, uh, you know, we want to obviously submerge the rear tail light, just a few of the brief things. We want to build a custom carbon fiber hood that replicates the new Roush for the 69 body size. Yep. And even possibly a one-piece nose out of carbon fiber as well that will... Give it that look. Take the same drivetrain that's in the Stage Three. Oh yeah. Take a uh, custom chassis, even though these are unibodies. Incorporate a custom chassis with independent rear suspension into the car, and give it all the modern street race or uh, yeah street racing yep. abilities and suspension and the look. And of course, I haven't even gotten into interior yet. I haven't even thought about how the design of that. But what we want is to be a one of one 69 Roush. Yeah. Obviously, Rosh was not around in 69. We want this to be the first one. And the badging on the car will replicate that. Uh, Kona blue is absolutely my favorite color. Everything I own, if you talk to my friends, is blue. I have a blue truck. I've got blue toolboxes. Blue is the color. Kona blue <laughs> is absolutely the color. And that's the color the 69 is going to be. So yeah. those are the initial yeah. details. Trevor and I have got tons of things to discuss because we both have ideas going through our heads. Oh, yeah. uh, but But ultimately... It is an absolute honor for me to work with Roush and I want to show that by making them very proud of what we create and showing people what years of passion of just waiting your turn to do something that it can really happen. And they need to understand, even when I'm in a position like I am now, it's taken me this long to have the ability to build something for myself. And that's what it will be. I will, it will be something I'll be extremely proud of because it'll be my car something I've always wanted. I've gone to shows for years and looked at people's cars and appreciated them, but I've never had one of my own. So this is a big moment. And I, I think um, Gas Monkey and Roush will absolutely oh, yeah. wow some people. And that's what we want to do.
0: I don't expect I don't expect anything less. And I can speak definitely for Roush. I think one of the main reasons that we completely agree to this is we, we share a lot. Roush and, and you share a lot of the same, uh, A, passion, but quality of work, is, is big for us, is we want it top-notch, and we know that, that this is what this is going to be. So, again, yeah. I am super excited about it. And, uh, Jason, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to get on Mustangology, talk to our, our Mustang friends and family.
2: Guys, um, yeah, you guys, I am always more than happy to uh, talk Mustangs because it's something I don't get to do a lot at work, and uh, <laughs> it is truly a passion of mine. And, you know, anytime I can do anything to help, uh, I would be more than happy to.
0: Well, it yeah. sounds like we're, we're going to have, a, like, we'll do some build process. We'll yeah. pull you in. That's exactly what I was going to say. Through the actual building process. Yeah, absolutely. Like. Yeah. Heck yeah. Well, guys, go give him a follow, GM, at GMG Jason on Instagram. Throw some likes on his page. Check out uh, his newest 2019 Roush Stage 3 and that Mach 1. And of course, all the builds uh, from Gas Monkey, Jason. Again, thank you so much. Thank and you, sir. Uh,
1: we will talk to you soon.
2: Yeah. Guys, thank you so much. Have a great night. You see too, you Jason.
1: See you.
0: All right,
1: man. That is super cool, huh? I was just listening the whole time. I uh, yeah. yeah, I didn't really talk much. I, uh, like, I'm pretty excited to uh, to see that '69 because I, I mean, that's the first time I I heard about it. Obviously, yeah. And I'm pretty excited to see it.
0: No, and that's I guess that's the cool part as we talked about Mustangology is having. Some cool, cool insight stuff that's that's yeah. happening like now. Um, obviously, when recorded, this is a little bit before, but uh, we're excited to be able to share this with you guys. So if you didn't catch it, um, Roush and Jason from Gas Monkey Garage going to be doing a one-off build, and uh, we didn't add the details in there, but we will be showing it at uh, 2020
1: SEMA. And hopefully, so we can catch them like during the build and oh, kind of like, yeah, yeah, the process sure. is like halfway done or Definitely. whatever.
0: Yeah, and if you guys want to see something uh, specific to this build, let us know. Um, hit us up on Instagram, at Mustangology Podcast, or search us Mustangology on Facebook. What else? We got anything else cool?
1: Um, <laughs> oh, like, we well, got Mustangology.com. We have, Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. oh we're on Spotify, we're on iTunes, uh, iTunes, yeah. Amazon. Pretty much all the streaming platforms. Pretty much all of them is But right. Spotify is where it's at. J.A.
0: Ron's on his game over here. He gets us on everything. So awesome, guys. Well, we appreciate you listening in, and uh, we'll see you next time. See ya.